Good morning, everybody. It is awesome to be back amongst you this morning for work and for worship, to be back amongst this corner of the, the kingdom here in Shoto. You know, the Apostle Paul understood very, very well that one of the greatest blessings that he had in Christ Jesus was all about his beloved and faithful and supportive brethren in Christ as well. Paul would often write about how he had them all in his heart, how greatly he, he longed for them with the affection of Christ Jesus and how they were his joy and crown in places like Philippians 1, 3 through 8 and Philippians 4 and verse 1 and others. This morning as I get started, there's a lot of you brethren, that I want to personally and publicly thank for your love and your support and your prayers and your encouragement over the past few weeks that Karen and I have been gone. First thing I want to do is to thank our elders. I want to thank our elders for allowing me to be part of the lectureship way up, way up there in, in Tilton, New Hampshire, and not only to be part of that lectureship, but also to for Karen and I to take our two weeks vacation during that same time while we were back up there around family and all. I, I know that three, three weeks, almost three weeks, 20 days is a long time for a preacher to be gone out of the pulpit and so I thank you gentlemen for allowing me that. The second group that I want to thank, certainly not to any lesser degree, is to those men who stepped up and taught lessons and uh, all of the things that you did and filled in for me while I was gone. One of the greatest blessings that we have here at the Shoto Hills Church of Christ is that we have men who are fully capable, a multitude of men who are fully capable of, of giving lessons and putting those together. And uh, <clears throat> let me just drop a quick hint and say we, we have a bigger pool than showed itself, but we, we, we are grateful for all of you, certainly. Um, thirdly, I want to thank all of you who took the time to check on us, to text us, to call us, to stay in touch, to show us your encouragement and your love and your interest, and we were very blessed by that contact. And also want to thank all of you who prayed for us. We had 4,000 pretty much uneventful, uh, but safe miles, and uh, I know that is because of your prayers and because of God, and so I thank you for those. And while it was good to be able to live stream or get the live stream and the worship and, and to worship with you and while it was good to continue to get the Marco Polo lessons every morning um, it was a little disheartening for Karen and I in some ways because some things we just couldn't do we couldn't have fellowship meal with you when those started up again we missed the tri-state we missed meals of love we missed several of those things but good Lord willing we will soon have the blessing of being a part of those things once again and if you're not part of those things and you could be and would like to be that'd be awesome because you're missing out and when you're gone from those things you understand how much you're missing out from them that having been said as I I have no idea what's going on. Please pause. It's dead. He's got, can I borrow it and I'll give it back to you? 
Okay. There we go. Let's try this again. It's funny because I said to Eric, I said to Eric, I said, I hope I don't turn mine on. I said, and, and, and you know, while he's leading singing, things could happen. And so I guess they wouldn't have because it's dead. So irony, isn't it? Okay. As I said, um, we were away at the 26th uh, annual Northern New Exch Northern, see how that messes me up? Annual Northern New England Lectureships at the Lakes Region Church of Christ in Tilton, New Hampshire. They are a very small, or comparatively to some of the churches we may know down here, they're relatively small, but incredibly strong and faithful and devoted to the scriptures congregation nestled in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, where it was my blessing and my privilege to join the likes of, of such brothers as um, Glenn Colley, whom some of you know from Polishing the Pulpit, Brother David Rollard is seen right next to him there. He's the local preacher for the Lakes Region Church of Christ. Kevin Rhodes is the gentleman on the end there, and he is from the Brown Trail School of Preaching. Brother Kerry Duke from the Tennessee Bible College, who's not in that picture because he had to leave early, as well as Brother Patrick Reynolds, who is a member there, uh, delivered lessons for this lectureship. So there were a number of men whose lessons I was privileged to hear. And I will tell you, there were some fantastic insights um, for me, and I hope you'll take the time to access them for your own spiritual growth. The same web address uh, links, they're all posted, that was in the bulletin this week, as well as the fact that they are now posted on God's Word is Truth later on. Okay. As I said in the, the bulletin this week, our Creator's power and beauty, as displayed in the changing seasons, are on display everywhere in the latter part of September and into October in New Hampshire, New England, this time of year as well, as this picture, which was taken right beside of our motel parking lot in Tilton. I mean, we stepped out and there's the parking lot. I said, I gotta take a picture of this before we leave. And the colors don't really show up here except maybe if that red tree, but when you see these on a, on a, on a computer screen, they are mind-blowing and dazzling. And, it's all about God and, and his creation and his beauty. And it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're traveling through a, a small town, just leaves on the side of the road there on those trees, or you're crossing a bridge on a quiet country back road, whether you're hiking a trail where you can stop and appreciate all the individual leaves and the branches they're growing on like this maple tree. You can see some of them haven't quite turned and that's just a maple tree, but that's, that's how they change color or whether when you get to the top of that trail and you look out over what God's amazing power to do has created, changing of the seasons. His beauty and his power is on display everywhere as you see with this mountain and this lake taken in New Hampshire. You'll recall that Romans 1 and verse 20 tells us that since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in God. And we can know there is a God because of what he created for us to enjoy. Certainly that is the case here. And not only can we see the invisible attributes of God as displayed in his beautiful visible creation, but we can also glean some spiritual truths 
We can also see some spiritual application if we choose to take time to notice it, displayed in what he has created for us to enjoy physically as well. We can see those spiritual truths reflected just as surely as we can see the mountain and the trees here reflected in this clear mountain lake at the foot of it. And so <clears throat> that brings me to the lesson I want to present this morning as we consider the contents of this particular picture in a sermon I have entitled, The Life of a Leaf, Fall in New England. Spiritual truth gained from this in what we see here, this illustration. The first spiritual truth I want for us to consider is how the lives of some of these multicolored leaves that you see in this picture reflect or parallel or perhaps illustrate the spiritual lives of some Christians. I want you to consider that all these multicolored red, yellow, orange, gold leaves on these hardwood trees, I want you to remember that in the spring they aren't those colors. In the spring, the branches of these oak and these maple and these hardwood trees that have been covered with snow or coated with ice from time to time throughout the long, hard winter, in the spring, those branches suddenly begin to warm up to the sun. As, as they get more and more of the sun, they begin to, to warm up and things start to happen. They start to experience new growth, little buds, just like here, but they experience you know, these new buds and this new growth, budding, that will soon become fresh, green, life-filled foliage. And that's kind of like us with our baptism, isn't it? We are baptized into Christ. We're not covered with ice and snow, but, but when we start to come out of the darkness, like these trees come out of the darkness of the, the more hours of darkness during the winter, as they come out and, and the sun begins to reflect upon them and, and they begin this new growth and new life, it's a lot like our baptism. We, we come out of the darkness and we come to Christ and we're baptized into Christ and we begin to, we begin to grow and we begin to, we're born again in the waters of Christian baptism and, and we begin to experience new life, new fruit if you will. We begin to experience a whole different way of doing things. We change. This is much like Jesus alluded to in the parable of the sower in Mark 4.16 when he says when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness. That's what we do. We receive it and we obey God. And as the, as the year goes from spring into summer with these leaves, what happens is, is these leaves, they begin to feast. They begin to grow on what the sun provides. As the days get longer, there's more sun in their lives. That allows them to make chlorophyll. That allows them to stay green. They grow. The foliage gets bigger. The foliage gets brighter. But it's all green. And that's like us as Christians. We, we are born again of the water and the spirit. And we begin to grow it. And the more that, the more that we are in touch with, the more that we get the sun, S-O-N, as opposed to S-U-N, what do we do? We grow and, and we begin to experience even more growth and, and we produce more fruit and, and it's that same cycle that we can see reflected. It's like Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 2 where he said as newborn babes we are to desire the pure milk of the word and, and grow by that. And so as we experience more of the S-O-N sun in our lives, we grow. More sunlight gets to these leaves. 
the more they produce chlorophyll. Chlorophyll that they produce by getting more sunlight is what keeps them green all year long, or all summer long, I'm sorry. And the more that we get the sun S-O-N, the more power we have to produce something. The love and the righteousness and the good works that we ought to as well. They grow by having more S-U-N, we grow by having more S-O-N. But then in the summertime, as the summer winds down, and early fall begins to hit in New England, as well as everywhere else, obviously, but seeing how we're going with this theme, what happens is that these lush, life-filled green leaves, these green leaves, all of this fruit, if you will, I realize they're not fruit trees, but all of this foliage begins to get less sunlight. The days get shorter, nights get longer, there's more darkness, it's getting colder, the darkness is, is kind of closing in, and, and when they get less S-U-N sunlight, they don't have as much chlorophyll. And when they don't have as much chlorophyll to keep them green, suddenly all of that stuff that's been in there right along but has been hidden by the power of the chlorophyll which kept them green, as that power recedes because they're not getting enough S-U-N, all of a sudden all that other stuff that's in there begins to come out in the red and the yellow and the gold and the orange colors. As a result of their ever-decreasing exposure to their sun, to the sun, their power to produce the chlorophyll, which had kept them green and thriving, begins to decrease. And the colors, this is key, the colors or the elements that have always been there inside but have just been masked or kept at bay by the chlorophyll, those colors, those elements now begin to become more apparent as those leaves death and severance from the life-giving root becomes ever more imminent. And that's a parallel that we can see in our lives as well if we're not careful. This parallels a Christian who chooses, we have a choice, but if a Christian chooses to continually decrease their exposure to the S-O-N son of God, what happens? Just like this, these trees that experience a decreased exposure to the physical sun lose their power and ability to produce the foliage they're supposed to, the Christian who chooses to decrease their exposure to the S-U-N slowly loses their power and their ability to produce the good and righteous fruit and works for the master that they had ought to as well works the same way. This illustrates it beautifully. And, and what happens then? Just like with those hardwood trees, as the Son of God's power in our life is decreased because we're not as exposed to Him as we used to be, suddenly all that stuff that was already inside begins to come out instead. That's the problem. All of that human, sinful, evil, properties, inner properties, which have been there all along but have just been masked or overpowered by Jesus' power and presence in our lives, as that begins to decrease, those elements begin to show themselves more and more, just like with the leaves, inner elements. Because of time, I'm not going to turn to them, 
But what I am going to say is I have three verses, three texts that I want to refer you to in a moment that all tell us, all infer just how strongly we must stay connected to and exposed to Jesus if we don't want that to happen. John 15, 4 through 6. Mark 4, 16 and 17. And Hebrews 10, 32 through 39 all tell us we've got to stay with Jesus all the time. Because if not, if we don't stay connected to the branch, we do not abide in him, we can do nothing. You know the text. Just like those leaves, those yellow and red leaves, when darkness begins to increase around and envelop a Christian, and they begin to decrease their exposure to the sun instead of continuing to strive for and, and reach for and abide in him and have him abide in them, and that person's true colors begin to come out and their death or separation from God becomes imminent. Just like these blazing red and yellow and gold and orange leaves. You know, those leaves are beautiful, but, but here's the thing. You know, we can say they're going out in a blaze of glory, but they're still going out. And that's kind of the thing I want us to remember. Uh, you remember some years ago there was this bumper sticker that used to say, he who dies with the most toys wins. I don't know if you've ever seen that I have, which is, dumb, but okay. But the point they forget in even making that point, he still dies. And so I want us to remember, because it may not be maybe an illustration we thought of before, but these leaves are going out in a blaze of glory. If you take a picture of this exact same place two months from now, you know what you're going to see? Two months from now, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see every one of those trees that's got the red and the yellow and the gold on that mountainside. You're going to see every one of them looking like one of these old, haggard, black trees in a, in a Halloween picture with no leaves and no life. And that, that's what you're going to see in two months. Some of them as little as maybe two weeks. Maybe some of them already since we took the picture. They're going to be barren. So, yeah, they're pretty to look at for just this short snapshot, and they really are. But let's remember... They are going out, albeit in a blaze of glory. And that, that brings us to the real heroes in this picture. This brings us to the foliage that best illustrates the qualities which we as New Testament Christians need to strive for, need to emulate, need to imitate. And that is the evergreens on this picture. That's the green trees. That's the green trees down here. Those, those Softwood evergreens, we need to be more like them. And, and this picture is a beautiful illustration of that, and, and here's how. You see, these evergreens, they emerge from a long, cold winter too, just like the ones that are changed and, and foliage is dying, the evergreens do. They're covered with the same snow during the winter. They get iced up just like everything else does. They experience the sun's warming in the spring just like the other trees do. They experience much growth by virtue of their exposure to the sun in the springtime as well and throughout the summer. But the difference is, the, the difference is, the, the big difference with the evergreens in this picture, you know, if you go, you go and you take a picture of the same place in three months, those evergreens are going to look identical to what they do now. Identical. They're not going to change. Their foliage is not going to die. So what's the secret? See, here's the difference. The difference is that when life grows colder, when the darkness closes in, when their environment becomes harsher, and in New Hampshire in the winter, their environment becomes a lot harsher, 
the evergreen and its foliage manages to remain, well, <laughs> evergreen, alive. How? How? How is it, why is it that those green trees go through the winter looking like that, go through the summer looking like that, and yet these other ones will all, all the foliage will just die and, and fade away? Well, how do they do it? Because it's a good illustration for us as Christians. How do we stay alive despite the darkness, despite the cold, despite harsh spiritual environments, despite all of those things and the cold winds that we have to face? How do we, like those evergreens, how do we hold on to our fruit production? How do we hold on to our stability? How do we, how do we keep all of that even when our exposure to the sun maybe goes down a little? How do we do it? That's, that's what we need to understand from this picture. And I'm gonna tell you, the secret to the evergreen's foliage, not experiencing death every fall is twofold. There's two reasons why they don't lose it. Number one, the evergreens, and I looked this up, the evergreens do not contain all of the same elements that the softwoods do. There's different elements in their makeup, okay? Some of those elements which come out in the changing colors, remember, I said real briefly, I hate to repeat, but just real briefly, I want you all to stay with me. The softwoods are green all summer because they get the sun. Chlorophyll covers up all these other elements' colors. But as the sun goes down, or, or less sunlight, then all these other elements begin to become predominant because the chlorophyll no longer has the power it once had. That's where the color comes from. But you see, in the evergreens, they don't possess those same elements. And, and that's part of how they stay green because those other elements just ain't there. They're gone, they, they're not in the tree. They don't revert back to them because they're not there. And this is the point I wanna make about us as Christians. Remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 7, 21 through 23, he said, from within out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Remember what Jesus said that? He said all of these things are inside, okay? Now, a faithful Christian is one, and, and we, none of us have done it perfectly, we're all human, but a faithful Christian is one who has sought and continues to seek to get all those evil things out of their heart, right? That's what we're trying to do, right? A faithful Christian is one who has already sought to eliminate or is still seeking to eliminate or empty themselves of all of those evil human elements within, all of those elements and compounds within that we just read about as they've walked with the Lord in the light. They have, they have done what, what the Word of God says in Ephesians 4.31 when it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Get rid of that with all malice. And that's what we're all striving to do. Colossians 3, 5 and 8 says, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness. Put away anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. So, one of the ways that we, like the evergreens, we as faithful Christians, like the evergreens, maintain our fruit production 
is because if we put all those things away, we got nothing to revert to. That make sense? If it's not in there any longer and we've gotten rid of most of it, we can't go back to it because it ain't there. We don't have those compounds anymore, at least not to the point they're going to dominate over the will of God in our life. And so that's one thing. The second secret to the success of the evergreen's foliage not dying every fall is because every little needle has a waxy coating on it that helps to keep contained the moisture and the nutrients which give it life. They've got this waxy little coating. You can go out down here and you can get a, you know, a, a, a fir tree and you, and you take one of those needles and it's got this waxy little coating that's just sealed in all the stuff that's in there, the moisture and the good stuff. Well, it's the same with a faithful Christian. Think about this. A faithful Christian realizes they cannot allow the life-giving word of God to be evaporated out of their lives. They realize that they cannot let go of the word of God. They realize that they have got to store God's word in their heart that they might not sin against him. Psalm 119 in verse 11. Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. In other words, Pay whatever price is necessary to get the word of God and then to keep the word of God in your heart. Seal it. Keep it. Don't sell it. Hide it in your heart. Hold on to it. Jesus said in John 6 and verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Just like the evergreens have that waxy coating that, that seals in the life-maintaining moisture, the faithful Christian makes sure that the life-giving word of the S-O-N, Son of God, is securely sealed in their hearts, in their minds, and in their souls. And so, guess what happens? They are then able to maintain no matter what comes, they are able to maintain their life in their fruit production no matter the cold, no matter the darkness, no matter the storms which they must endure. They maintain that security, that stability. Perhaps the next picture you're going to see is just a, a close-up of, of the right-hand side of this one, but perhaps there is no greater point, or, I'm sorry, no greater text in all of scripture that makes the point that I just did relative to the illustration of the evergreens here as they're pictured at the water's edge then does Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 7 and 8 which says blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and he will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit the evergreen is the same always always it just keeps right on going The second aspect of this 
spiritual truth that I want for us to consider this morning is how the foliage contrasts in this very picture. You've got red, yellow, orange, gold, green. I want us to consider how the foliage contrast in this picture not only illustrates spiritual lives of many individual Christians as we have discussed and what they ought to be and ought not to be, but also of whole congregations as well as the spiritual world around us. This is a, a good illustration of, of whole congregations as well as the religious world at large. For example, the evergreen's foliage, as we have discussed with that wax covering on it, helps to take in and, and protect and refuse to let go of that which preserves them. That's a great illustration of a faithful congregation. A faithful congregation of the Lord's church will take in all of the life-giving truth that the Son of God, S-O-N, has to offer and refuse to surrender it on the altar of man-made teachings. A faithful church of Christ like those evergreens will take in the life-giving word of God and hold on to it. And it doesn't matter what's happening or bursting forth all around them. It doesn't matter. They are going to hold on to and preserve the truth of the word of God that gives them life. They're not going to let it go. Faithful churches of Christ believe in and will protect the biblical truth that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and all that God had to say. They will hold on to that and they will protect it. Faithful churches of Christ believe fully that all congregations of the church should teach just the apostles' doctrine. Amen? Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, that and that alone. And they hang on to that. Unlike those hardwoods with all of those different colored leaves, unlike them with their vibrant leaves, where a month from now or six months from now or a year from now, those evergreens are going to look just the same except for additional growth. Churches of Christ are like that. Should the churches of Christ look the same always? Should they? Storm, darkness, doesn't matter, right? Churches of Christ, like those evergreens, should always look the same, except for new growth. That's it. So they are a good representation, Jude 3. We should contend earnestly for the faith, once delivered for all. Having said that, and why those evergreens are a good illustration of the Lord's church, those hardwoods that you see, like especially up here in the corner with all the different colors as well as along the banks here, all of those different colors of those hardwoods are a good representation of the denominations all around us because they don't have the consistency that the evergreens have. For example, when I look at, at this evergreen or this evergreen or this evergreen, you really can't tell them apart in that picture, can you? All you see is a mass of green, right? They're all the same color. They all look just alike, right? That's the way Church of Christ should be, isn't it? All based on the book, all built on the rock, all with roots down to the river of life. But, but these, 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 these softwoods here are a good representation of the denominational world and all its different and varied teachings because some are yellow, some are red, some are gold, some are orange. All different colors, right? In the denominational world today, do you get all kinds of different teachings? all different flavors and colors, and sure you do. And so they would more represent the denominational world around us. But like those multicolored and soon to die and be dispersed by the wind leaves in this picture, 
denomination, man-made denominational teachings are well described by places like Ephesians 4.14 where it says that we are not to be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickiness of men. I'm also reminded as we think of the natural world that God created, the world of nature, and how it illustrates what we're talking about this morning. I'm also mindful of the Lord's words when it comes to those who preach and teach and insist on man-made teachings instead of the word of God. In Matthew 15, 13, where he said, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Every one of the leaves that you see in that picture, that's beautiful blazing colors now, in a month or two, they'll be gone. They'll be dead. But there's something else I want you to notice from the trees in this picture. Like I said, there's a lot of illustrations in nature. Here's another one. <clears throat> you know why the evergreens in this picture, another reason why they illustrate well what the church ought to be and the Lord's church, <clears throat> as opposed to the multicolored leaves on the softwoods, here's why. Here's why we should be like the evergreens. The maple, the oak, they're hardwood, right? We know that. Well, how do their branches grow? The branches grow up like this, right? right? So when their branches grow up like this, what happens when you get a heavy, heavy ice storm? When you get a heavy, heavy wind blow, what happens? A lot of those leaves snap. They break, they crack, they fall off. But do you know the difference between that and the evergreens? The evergreens don't grow like that. The evergreens, Christmas tree, think of a Christmas tree. Has branches, 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 branches. You, you know the, right, the drill, right? Like little kids draw. What's different about those branches? What happens if the top branch on an evergreen gets covered with snow and gets heavy? What does it do? Simply goes down onto the branch under it. And what happens when it gets too heavy for that branch? It goes down onto the branch. It's not like these branches that snap because they got nothing to, to support them. An evergreen's branches, one rely on the other all the way down. You get, a, you get a, an evergreen that is just covered with snow, a wet, heavy snow, and it just drops the branches. I mean, it droops it down like a wet, long-haired dog, right? right? Those branches don't break. You know why? Because everyone is, it, the way the tree is built, it's built so that the one under it supports the one above it when the burden gets too heavy. That reminds you of anything in the church, the way it ought to be? See, we ought to be like those evergreens. We ought to, as it says in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. God designed the church much like that evergreen, where when the burden gets too heavy, the storm gets too hard, the load gets too much to bear on one, that they can come down onto the next one and find additional support to help them carry the weight. Those evergreens are a beautiful illustration of that when the storm comes and what the church it ought to be. The bottom line is that if you ever get a chance to go to New England about the first week of October when the foliage is at its height, go. <laughs> it is absolutely beautiful. To have the pictures kind of stretched out here really doesn't show up quite like they do on a computer even or, or, a, or a smartphone. It's not quite as blazing, but they're absolutely beautiful. They definitely go out in a blaze of glory, but they still go. Just happens very quick. Very quick. 
within a few weeks. And the leaves are all dead and gone. Like so many denominations that have come and gone, they're formed, they flourish, and then fall into obscurity. That's why people rush up there for a few weeks just to see these, because out of 52 weeks of the year, it's only going to last about four weeks. I mean, they're just going to go poof, and they're gone. However, no matter what time of year you travel, if you're ever blessed enough to be able to take some time and go up to New England, no matter what time of year you travel, whether it's during the dog days of summer, the icy dead of winter, or any other time in between, the one thing you can be sure of, the one thing you can count on, is that like the Lord's Church, through its establishment on the day of Pentecost, 33 AD, the never-changing except for growing majestic evergreens will be there. And they're going to look just the same. They'll be there. That's not what everybody goes for, but they'll be there. Just like the Lord's Church. They'll still be standing right where they've always been, just like the Lord's Church does. Still be as alive as they've always been, just like the Lord's Church is. And those evergreens will still be in the background, largely unnoticed by the world, just like the Lord's Church is. A world which has always been more drawn to a flash in the pan and to the epitome of stability. Isn't that true in our world? Isn't the world drawn to more of a flash in the pan like people drive up there to see these leaves for two weeks, right? The Lord's Church has always operated in the background, in the obscurity. That's not what people, people look at something new, something bigger and more exciting. We got something that's 2,000 years old. It's been preserved for 2,000 years. We've got the truth, the church, the Lord, right? <clears throat> people don't want that. They want a flash. They want something flashy or something bigger. Faithful churches of Christ may not be as flash-in-the-pan flashy as some of the ever-changing denominations around us. They may not draw the attention of the world the way the denominations do. By the way, I've got to do this. I, I did this just for this reason. What's the first thing you probably noticed if you looked at the way I'm dressed at all? I got probably, that probably the first thing, it's either the bear or the foliage. Is that right? Is that right? Looking for the flashy, ain't we? but it's on a background of green. Just like that. We always notice the flashy, don't we? The Lord's church isn't flashy. It's just the one in the Bible. And it's still gonna be standing here strong and tall and built on the rock of Christ, rooted in the river of life. The Lord's church is gonna be here in season and out, in storm or in drought, and in darkness or in doubt until the Lord comes to take his people home. Are you part of that church? There's only one way in. That is to believe that Jesus is indeed the Christ, to hear his word and believe his word. It is to be willing to repent of your sins. It is to obey his word by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and then going on to live faithfully until death. To stand strong, to stay rooted in the river, to stay built on the rock, to stay, the, the, to stay in God's word so that the only thing that changes is new growth for Christ. 
as you seal all of that in your heart. Do you want to be part of that church this morning? You can be. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. First song we're going to sing is to invite you to come down front, to become part of the Lord's church, to be saved, to be washed of your sins the way scripture says. And after we do that, hopefully we'll have responses. But at the end and conclusion of this lesson, then we're going to sing a song at the close. And as we sing the words of that song, and I appreciate Adam's going out on a limb with this song, that song is going to very much, I hope, remind you of this picture. Don't lose this picture from your mind. If you have a need, will you please come right now as we stand and as we sing.